uh, greetings and salutations. It's uh, Friday. Yay. It's the uh, podcast. Uh, McCowan here and Shannon there. And here are two um, longtime pals, buddies, friends, contributors to uh, various and sundry places that uh, we have worked. Matt Sakaris is with uh, TSN 1040 Radio in Vancouver. And Ray Rado with The Game and Defector. Uh, joining us from the West Coast. Yes, we're, uh, we're, this is the this is the Left Coast podcast this morning. Yes, That's what this is. Yeah, it's not a leftover; it's a Left Coast podcast. That's uh, right. Let's dive I, I, into this right at the beginning. Yeah, I find it interesting yes. that the guy wearing sunglasses does not have <laughs> nearly the bleary enough eyes that <laughs> the right side do. <laughs> I have Good a morning, whole comments for that, Rado, but I'll uh, I'll. I'll hold back for the moment. Jack Nicholas. Um, well, I, I like to think of him as a, as a friend. I, I've, I've known Jack um, uh, for many, 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 many years. I've had a chance to talk to him on numerous occasions. Um, and he never struck me as the kind of guy who would go too far away from the norm. He, he would stay not, in his lane. He would stay in his lane, Bob. Pretty much was one of those guys. And now he has decided to um, come out, if you will, in support of the current president of the United States, which, of course, makes him um, extremely unpopular with a, a significant percentage of Americans. Mr. Ratto, to you first. Do you care, first of all, who Jack Nicholas supports politically? And secondly, do you do you think it demeans his image in any way, shape, or form? Um, that depends on who you're worried about uh, feels demeaned by the by the image. I mean, he. I mean, he's eighty. Eighty-year-olds are going to skew that way. Bobby Bowden said he's staying alive solely so he can vote for, for Donald Trump, and he's older than, he's older than Nicholas is. Um, uh, who uh, Bobby Orr came out in favor of him recently. You know, he's 72. I mean, does it bother me? No. I mean, if if we live in the shards of a democracy, we have to let the other side voice what it voices and basically overcome it with logic and, you know, more people voting the other way. I mean, the biggest outrage of this election, of all of them, is the aggressive nature of the Republicans' attempts to tamp down the vote, because that is anti-democratic. But getting outraged about what a guy in his 80s thinks about American politics is, which is sort of pointless. You know, I mean, okay, good for him. He votes for that guy. I'm voting for the other guy. So we negated our votes. You know, it just, it's, you know, I don't know. I mean, Jay Cutler is voting for Trump. He's 37, but he's also 83, and he's been 83 since he was 12. So, I mean, age is age. age frankly, is is the construct here, and it's not terribly relevant. It's just that in America, old people skew very conservative, and everybody who isn't really old doesn't. Or I shouldn't say everybody, but the vast majority of people, you know, under the age of 70, don't. So. It's 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 a thing where you can go meh, but that's all it is. It's a meh. 
I don't dispute the age connotation of what you, you're saying, though, but don't you think it's also wealth-related? I mean, oh, we are talking about a bunch of people who have a bunch of dough, and the Conservative Party obviously is more inclined to, to look favorably, at least from a tax perspective, on those with money, correct? Oh, no question. And, and Trump has pandered aggressively toward the wealthy. I mean, if you look at that ESPN story about, you know, how owners tend to donate money to political causes, you know, it's heavily Republican. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it is wealth and it is age, but there are not very many people in that tax bracket. So the question is, are we a, are we a country of all the people or just the folks who can, who can buy? And the answer, sadly, has been, you know, the people with cash. And until we change our view on that, that's going to be a uh, that's going to be a factor that will have to be overcome by those who aren't millionaires. Matt, jump in. What do you think? Well, first of all, I'm surprised that an 80 year old uh, would say and do probably the most divisive thing of his life right like i don't remember jack nicholas kind of trying to curry controversy uh like he did on this one but maybe he's reached that stage in life where he's going to say what he wants to say and he doesn't give a bleep uh, about the repercussions uh i do think the economics of all of this are um worth exploring we joked on the show yesterday felt like Jack misread this green, or maybe he's spending too much time reading his greens, if you know what I mean. And the other thing, uh, the other thing that I'll, I'll say about this is the length of the statement sort of surprised me. Like, if he wanted to come out and endorse President Trump, I guess I could have, you know, I understood that. I knew he was a lifelong uh, Republican. Um, but that he went to the extent that he did, you know, even using the boogeyman word socialism and talk about well, if you want the government to run your life. And, you know, I sat there thinking, what does the government running Jack Nicholas's life look like these days? He gets up in West Palm Beach, Florida. He goes for a fish. He goes to hit some tennis balls at his court. He goes for uh, around a golf at his place. Like, tell me where the government enters Jack Nicholas's day-to-day -day life if Biden wins. So well, it, man, I, that's I was, I was a little disappointed. I, I must say I was a little disappointed. Maddie, that's the four, that's the four hundred thousand dollar tax break that he won't get uh, with the, with the Democrats winning. The 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 one thing I about this, like I whether I agree with Jack Nicholas or not, and I don't, um, to me is immaterial. What bothers me more than anything else is, um, and and this is this is a bigger topic. It goes to what social media is and what it stands for is. Uh, the, the the polarizing reaction uh, that that social media has created since the Nicholas uh, tweet, um, you know, he has, the, you know, the, the form of what goes on in America and in our country too is that he has a right to an opinion. He, this is what our countries are based on. Um, uh, we may not agree, but that doesn't mean we have to become ignorant and rude, um, and, and so absolutely vitriolic about this guy's opinion that it, 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 it tempers everything. That, that's the, and, and I mean, I know, listen, I, I'm not a young guy either, uh, but I, I sat at a dinner table and was told, hey, listen, whatever you do, you have to have an opinion. 
because that's what our countries are based upon is, is opinion and discussion. And for Nicholas to be able to say what he says, he has a right to say it. But the reaction to me uh, was one that says, oh man, I, I, I'm not sure I wanna go down this rabbit hole and, and, and read all the responses and read all the remarks. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a left to center guy myself, uh, but I, and I don't agree with what he said, but he has a right to say it. And that's the thing that bothered me. It was, it was the reaction of everybody else out there that said, you're an idiot now, Jack, and I don't like you, and you're going to change your life. And, and, and Ray's right. As we get older, and at least three of us are, seem to be getting older, we all, we all just blurt things out because we know we can and we don't care anymore. Um, but he has a right to say it. I don't like it, but he has a right to say it. But oh, he sure does, John. I agree wholeheartedly. I think some of the reaction you saw yesterday was rooted in the fact that when Colin Kaepernick takes a knee, the President of the United States calls him and everyone who joins him sons of bitches. I think what you saw reaction-wise yesterday is because when LeBron James says something on a basketball court, Fox News tells him to shut up and dribble. So uh, sadly, we're living in that sort of environment right now You're where right. it's serve and return serve and try and put a little more. And, and isn't it? And isn't that sad? Turn. Yeah. And isn't sure that is, sad? Sure is. Well, don't forget one other thing. Jack Nicholas's natural constituency is not us. Golfers are tend to be very conservative because they are basically self-employed. Um, they, you know, they, they're. They're overwhelmingly white. They're overwhelmingly privileged. I mean, he's talking to his constituency. Mm -hmm. Everybody else who thinks they have a piece of this is really just people outside the house, you know, pounding on the windows. But basically, you mentioned, you know, opinion and discussion. Well, those have turned into two different things. Right. Yeah. Discussion is... So Jack, why do you think that socialism is suddenly going to rear its ugly head? I mean, that's the argument that my parents would have extended. I mean, you know, but nobody wants to have the discussion. They just want to tell you what their opinion is or ask for your opinion with the, with the codicil being, I don't want your opinion. I want you to repeat my opinion. Yeah, I want you to agree with me. Yeah, echo chambers. So, so that that's that's the nature of the debate, and that's why the debate has become so tedious. Um, you know, I mean, Bobby Orr, um, you know, why would he care? You know, I mean, in all honesty, what you know, you know, un unless unless I've missed something, he's still a Canadian citizen, right? I don't know if he can vote or not. No, he's no, he's an American. Is he okay? Yeah. Well, then, but you know. Again, that's the same thing. I mean, are people in Boston outraged? I don't know. You know, I just, I don't, I, to me, it's, it's like, it's like the debates. I knew who I was voting for. So the only reason to watch the debates was to see if somebody would pee down their leg. And of course that happened. But, um, you know, I don't need to see any more of that. I know what I, I know what I believe in. I know which way I'm voting. I've done my own research on all the local propositions and all that. I, so I've done my heavy lifting and the circus can go be the circus somewhere else. I mean, it's okay to ignore 
somebody's opinion if you don't like it. I mean, you are not compelled by law or gun to have an opinion on everything and to blurt it out the first opportunity you have. We have the opportunity to do it. We just shouldn't seize it as much as we do. You know, given the names that we've talked about, it occurs to me, and I don't know this at all, uh, maybe one of you guys does, that Trump probably is quite an enchanting figure on a personal one-to-one basis. And these are guys that almost undoubtedly have spent some time with him and maybe got romanced by him. Oh, sure. And sure. certainly have Republican leanings because of their economic status. I, I may be the only guy who's consistently voted um, for Democrats who probably should economically vote for Republicans. I, I just can't find any of them. Well, I haven't found any over the last 40 years that I thought was worth, you know, a pinch of crap. But, um, and, and, you know, this, the current president is, is no exception, but I wonder whether they were romanced by this guy. I think they were, Bob. I, I think they absolutely were. Everything that we've heard about the guy is he can be very charming one-on-one. You're quite, he's in the golf game too, right? Like well, he, that's he the other thing. have done partnerships. Well, are, are, are we waiting for the announcement to, if he wins after the election that Jack's designing a new course in, in Sweden or, yeah. or in South America? Or, I mean, you that, wouldn't that, do it that, in Sweden. Sweden's socialist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they love their golf, right? I believe they like Norway better. <laughs> uh, I, I think Trump. I think Trump will go wherever the money is and uh, and ignore any of the things that. Um, but Bob, he, you say you voted uh, Demo- like Democrat for forty years and couldn't find a Republican. Like today's Republican is a very different Republican from even a few years ago, right? Like look, today's I, I Republican uh, asks you to um, believe in some things, and 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 and. Um, you know, cross some rivers that, wow, I mean, like, I, which is why I'm fascinated by these Lincoln Project guys and some of these more traditional Republicans who are looking at their, this part of their party and saying, the hell is becoming of us? Like, what are we empowering? What do we stand for these well, days? Let me, let, me, let me answer that by asking uh, uh, Ray a question. So, Rado, I mean, I, I, you know, look, it's none of my business, nobody's business what your politics are. But if you care to let us know, has there been a Republican in your lifetime, a, can- a Republican candidate for president that you either voted for or even in hindsight said, you know, I should have voted for him? No, um, but I'm not, I'm not a registered Democrat, but Me neither. I have yet to come across a Republican uh, candidate who has spoken for anybody but the hyper rich Mm -hmm. and it's that's not sustainable because ultimately there are going to be too many folks who aren't and because the divide between people who have and people who don't has become so so much of a chasm that you no longer at some point you no longer have a functioning society and we're heading that way if we're not already sort of at the at the event horizon so, yeah, I, I have not ever, I've never, I've never voted for a Republican, you know, for president, just because they've never sort of, you know, appealed to me. They haven't spoken to what I believe America ought to be. I'm the same way. Uh, I, what, the, what, the hold only, on, Ray, what about governor? What about governor? 
Um, did you vote for Arnold? I yeah. did. I did not. Um, but here's the funny thing about Republicans that, that I found is that 40 years later, because the Republican Party has now skewed so heavily weird, Ronald Reagan doesn't seem quite so evil anymore. Exactly no, the name I was going to bring up. Um, exactly. he seemed, he, I mean, when he was president, you know, he said all the, you know, he, he played the dog whistle all the time about communism and all this other, you know, bogeymen that don't really exist anymore. But, you know, next to this guy, and next to you know Bush Bush Jr., he looked like you know a, a statesman for the age. Um, you know Eisenhower looked like like, like looks like a visionary. <laughs> so so it's really not about Democrats and Republicans. It's really about sort of the rich angry wing of the Republican Party. Because if you're rich, you don't really have a reason to be angry. You know, but they yeah. do know that to get votes, they need to find a lot of people that they have to make angry. Mm -hmm. And that was Trump's specialty. I mean, wh what what is his signature phrase? You're fired. What can be a more hateful thing for just a regular old guy than that? You know, hi, we're taking your job away. Get out. Yeah. Well, uh, that's and Matt's the other Harris thing, and Ray Ratto are with the, us. Just, uh, just that, you know, he 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 used Ronald Reagan's best line to get elected last time: "Make right. America great again." That's you know, right. so uh, it, I I I I wanted to bring this topic up. I didn't know we'd dig deep this deep about it because I mean we we've allowed well, we athletes at, but athlete but, you know a, athletes have a right to to have an opinion as well and i think that uh, we saw that with the nba first more than anywhere else and we we may have liked what they said and then we we better listen and be respectful in my opinion uh to even people we don't agree with i thought we're going to talk about the all canadian division <laughs> we're going to get to the all canadian division i want to get to something else first you're um, welcome to join us too, though, Ray. You could come up and join the Canadian division if you want. That's right, Ray. I, I don't know. I don't know that Justin's letting me up because I'm bringing family with me. All sponsors. Oh no! Ray. Come on up. It's all, all right. Sponsor you. You can come right up the left coast here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll 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 call the prime minister for you. All right. <laughs> um, the World Series ended with, with uh, a couple of degrees of uh, interest and controversy. That the, the the Justin Turner thing we'll get to. I want to talk about Kevin Cash and his decision with regard to Blake Snell in the, what, sixth inning? Sixth inning, yeah. Of game Five six. and a third. So Snell is mowing the Dodgers down. He's given up two hits. Well, one was the previous batter, but nonetheless. And he looks awesome. He's thrown 70, I think, three pitches in the game. Surely to God, he can't be tired. And yet, we are in this era where decisions are being made absent of what you see, what your eyeballs and, and generally your brains tell you. It's a decision that is made in a boardroom, on a, on, a, on a whiteboard, long before the game is played. And this decision backfires on Tampa Bay. Does it cost them the World Series? Well, we'll never know the end of that, but it certainly handed the World Series to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Is there a chance baseball now re-examines this at all cost 
this is when my starting pitcher is going to come out. Absolutely not. Um, everything you say is true. Everything that Kevin Cash was sort of a violation of what a manager used to be able to do on his own, which is judge how his players are doing during the game. And I'm not convinced that he either hadn't been programmed to do this automatically or might have gotten a phone call because that's not unprecedented either. I agree. But I think our outrage is tempered by the fact that all 30 general managers think the same way now. And I don't want to dovetail off of this, but the White Sox hiring Tony La Russa is almost a weird repudiation of that. Yeah, it is. But I think that, that, too. It, that it's, a, it's, it's an outlier. I think Jerry Reinsdorf, who's 84, has always been a Tony La Russa guy, even though in February he did an interview with, Ke with Graham Benziger in which he said, I don't think Tony should manage again. I don't know how 70-year-olds relate to 20-year-olds. And to turn around basically nine months later and do that very thing doesn't strike me that Reinsdorf is repudiating anything that his general manager, uh, Rick Hahn, or any other of the general, general managers do. I think he was taking care of a pal. Mm -hmm. And Larusa, I mean, who has always wanted to get back in the game. I mean, he doesn't like, he didn't like being a consultant. So what's he going to do? Say no? I mean, it's, it's I, I think to answer your question, that ship has sailed because the difference is not made in the dugout anymore. The difference is made at the general manager level and they're all trained the same way and they all think the same way. It's why you have a, a sport that is based on the three true outcomes and to the point where, you know, I mean, Tampa Bay, nobody noticed this. They played 20 games and struck out 220 times. It's 11 a game. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't hit a home run, you're getting nothing. That's an insane way to operate. But well, there, there were got, more strikeouts got, in that game six. There were more strikeouts in that game six than any other World Series game in history. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't barrel up on a 101 mile an hour fastball, you're walking back to the dugout. And that makes for a much duller game, but no manager is going to be trusted the way Bruce Bochy was five years ago when he trotted out Madison Bumgarner for a five inning closing that's stint. That's, that's the last of those that's going to happen. And the reason why all this stuff is not going to change is because the math says it works and the general manager all managers are all, uh, and this puts it crudely, but I'm going to say it anyway, they're all math guys. They're all let's minimize risk and maximize reward. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that sounds like the middle manager at the Costco you work at, you know, I mean, they're running it like a business because their owners are all billionaires and they understand business more than they understand baseball. And the idea that a manager would go make a decision based on feel is just anathema to them. They, they, can't, they, they can't permit that. So I don't think Kevin Cash's, you know, 
colossal blunder is going to make any difference. I think we're, we're still going to have this until somebody 40 years old gets hired and says, we're doing this my way. And if you want to fire me tomorrow, I will make a stink and make you look bad. And Not until that really. happens, until that happens, no, I think baseball has changed and not for the better. No. Well, baseball run is mutual funds, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that decision on when to pull uh, Blake Snell was made prior to the game, or at least scenarios were discussed that made it a little bit more automatic than, as Ray right. says, a matter of feel. Um, the one thing I will say about the race and all their strikeouts and whatnot, and yes, it is an inelegant form of baseball, I think one can argue, but it's the 28th uh, payroll in baseball. You know, if ever there was a team whereby 2020 and COVID didn't necessarily represent a big change, it was the Tampa Bay race because they drive no revenue in any year. They have no fans in any year. And so they have to be a little more clever. They have to be a little more astute. They have to look for advantages where others don't have them. I respect the fact, and I think they are one of the best run franchises in baseball, that you can take a team with no fans, no revenue, no payroll, and get it to the World Series. And let's face it, this isn't the first time they've been in the postseason. They have punched above their weight class better uh, than most teams in the American League East, uh, I will say. Uh, but here's what I hated about it. Um, I watch the World Series and I build off some of my shared experiences with the World Series. Jack Morris pitching into the 10th inning in 91 for the Twins before coming over to Trump. As Ray says, Baumgartner coming out of the pen for five innings to close out that World Series game in 2014. This is the sort of superhuman stuff. This is athletes, the world's best athletes, and they're given discipline going above and beyond the call of duty when the stakes are absolutely highest. And for me, that contributes to the mythology, that contributes to the storytelling of the World Series. I can walk out as a neutral in 91 and say, wow, what a game, what a series. I can walk out as a neutral in 2014, what a game, what a series. And just something viscerally inside me didn't like what I saw out of the Tampa Bay Rays. And I feel like I was cheated a little bit as a viewer. Coming Tell you what you're teaching. To, to your point, Matt, the highlight of the World Series for me was game four. Yes. When there was everything run amok in yes. the bottom of the ninth inning. That's right. Uh, where it was human error by Correct. the right fielder, Several by Muncie, <laughs> yes. by Will Smith, by everybody, and 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 and, and two Tampa Bay guys that should have been called out at a certain point as well on the play. I mean, that was, that to me was, I, you know, the, to, to quote the great Jack Buck, I can't believe what I just saw. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's what makes sports so much fun. I think that's one of the reasons why all of us are in it is because of watching competition and watching mistakes. And unfortunately what's happened to Ray's point is, is that uh, with the math, and the analytics that are used, we see less and less mistakes. That's right. And, but, but, and but it's you, just not fun. And you raise, right. you raise an interesting point there, because if game four was the zenith, game six was the antithesis of it, because it was a repudiation of the abnormal. Yeah. It was, That's right. you know, the, the book says I have to do this. And, you know, it, it the idea that, 
you know, this is a, it's a zero sum game. And if you deviate from the new norm, you know, you are going to have to, you are going to have to answer for it. Um, you know, is, you know, I mean, that, that's the new rule. It's avoiding risk when in fact that play in the ninth inning in game four was nothing but risk. Yeah. Watching Mookie bets every day is watching a guy taking risks and winning at them. He's yeah. the most fun player to watch. And mm -hmm. when you sort of, you know, corral everybody like into, into a, a tunnel, like an abattoir, that's what you get at the end. It's a bolt gun right to your head. And I, and I actually think that it, it, in many ways, what they've done is they've, they've, they've changed the dynamic of the game so much. I think it's really hurt uh, the day-to-day -day baseball fan. And I think, I think that that's one of the reasons why ratings are down. I think that's one of the reasons that, that baseball, of, of the big three, NBA, NFL, MLB, I think that it now ranks number three. And I, I leave the NHL out of it because the NHL is a little bit different because of, of our country. But uh, I, I think Major League Baseball is lagging behind the other two for that very reason. Well, it, the one thing I will say, I don't disagree with anything that, that, that you guys um, have said and believe. The only thing I, I will suggest to you is that uh, sports has become very much a monkey-see-monkey-do um, society. Sure. Uh, success dictates to others what they should do. And when you see um, failure as obvious as this one was, one wonders if some general manager out there is going to say, you know, maybe there's a lot of hooey in this. And, and, you know, yeah, I believe in all this analytics for the most part, but at the end of the day, guys pitching the, you know, pitching his ass off, He's only thrown 73 pitches. There's only one more day left in the season at maximum. I got no reason to take this guy out. Unless I, they were, but it was I part of the board right, Bob. It was I part of the board meeting at 10 in the morning. Yeah, I, I, I hope you're right, Bob. I fear that you're not. Um, the other thing we should bring up, guys, like they go and get Snell. There are 25 Rays in their dugout who are feeling a pit in their stomach when that happens wait a second we are voluntarily removing oh, our best player from the game after 73 pitches he had thrown more than 73 pitches in every outing since august 12th he had thrown 105 pitches in a 2-1 win in the alcs but those but those We're 25 but those 25 guys matt saw kevin cash do this how many times this year? I understand. How many that, times? I, and I mean, now that, of the John, 60 but, games, but of the 60 games, here's the he probably John. did it 35 times. I understand that, John, but when he's doing it in July, he's doing <laughs> it because Blake Snell is making six more starts before the end of the season. As Bob said, like, you're not saving him for game nine in this series, right? Like, you, <laughs> you have nowhere else to go. He is your best player. And the Dodgers even said, you know, our dugout got lifted up by that. Yeah. You know, we got excited because a guy who was dealing was suddenly out of the game by their volition, not ours. Mr. Rado. The, uh, I'll finish with this. The great failing here, though, was not just taking Snell out, but going to a right-handed pitcher in Nick Anderson, who had been That's really it. good for them in the regular season, but had struggled through the postseason because, frankly, his arm was shot. You know, his velocity was down. There was, there was a lot less movement on his ball. People were talking about this. Mm -hmm. 
And because um, for a team with so many relievers, Kevin Cash had only one left-hander that he could try <laughs> in Aaron Loop, and he had pitched in games four and five. He was trying to avoid having to use him. But yeah. in a weird way, he sort, of dis- he sort of ran out of relievers on a team that was basically designed to have more relievers than Jesus. Yeah. So, so it, it's yeah. error, compounding error, compounding error. And they yeah. still end up losing only three. Yeah. And I, I can't understand the math, science, analytics, logic, what have you. That brings you to the conclusion that Nick Anderson, who has given up runs on six straight appearances, gives us a better chance to get Mookie Betts and Corey Seager and Justin Turner out than does Blake Snell the way he was wheeling. No, I just can't. fundamentally will never understand that. You can't, you can't, you can't make a logical, you, you can't logically look at it that way, that, that this is a smart move. It is numbers on a piece of paper. It has nothing to do with what's between your ears. No, now, the, next, the next step will be to put, the, put the, uh, the manager, take him out of the dugout and put him up in a private box because he could make the same call. You know what, John, Well, I'll just I, get I rid of the manager altogether. You know, have a robot there. Look, I want uh, to get to this last topic here. Well, I actually had a couple more, but, you know, we've been – we got to watch the time. Well, you, you were we talking too much politics. You were talking too much politics, Bob. Um, yes, thank you. An all-Canadian division in the NHL. Mr. Ratto wrote something about this, and uh, it seems likely it is COVID-generated um, without question. But there is something interesting potentially here. Uh, we saw DH this year in the National League and in the World, Ser- or in the World Series, and uh, we're going to see that, I think, going forward. We saw expanded playoffs in baseball. We're going to see that going forward. Um, there is now talk about the advantages of a neutral site for the World Series, something that I've been on for about 20 years. Maybe you'll see that going forward. The one question I have about the All-Canadian Division in the NHL is, is it is it a one-year thing? Um, I hope so. By I border so. crossings, or does this become the norm? Matt, I'll give it to you first. What, yeah, do you no, like it? What do you think of it? No, I well, I I like it for the purposes of this year from a health and safety standpoint uh, and all of that. And I, I think it's a one-year thing. Boy, Bob, that's the first time I've ever heard somebody mention to me that it could be anything more than interim. So I'm just wrapping my head around that um, as we speak here. But I do think the intention is, it, is for it to be a, a one-season thing. And based on the world that we're in. I mean, the one thing I will say, living here in Vancouver, um, when the Leafs, when the Habs, when the Jets, when the Oilers, when the Flames come in, there is certainly more buzz and there is certainly more energy in the building. Um, but that's in part because it's so exceptional, right? The Habs come here once, the Leafs come here once, yeah, sure. maybe once or twice. Uh, if they were starting to come in on the regular, I think it would lose a little bit of that um, special feel that those all-Canadian games have here at Rogers Arena. Well, as the only member of the panel from the Unclean 48, um, I will turn this on its head where California has three rancid teams. They're going to see each other a lot. 
And if you want to make a greater effort to depress hockey interest, you know, keep shoveling in bad teams. Um, the, the great thing about the all Canadian division has nothing to do with geography though. It's that we finally have in the NHL an owner who will shoot his mouth off because there hasn't been nearly enough of that. There's too many owners have been very buttoned down and hard to, hard to hear on anything. And Bill Foley, you know, who, you know, frankly doesn't give a damn because he's no nothing but success you know, we'll just pop on a radio show and heard out the agenda of the last board of governors meeting. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing for hockey in general, because nothing excites people more than telling them something that is supposed to be a secret. Hey, Rado, you're forgetting that from time to time, Mr. McCallum gets Melnick on his program. You beat me to it. You beat me to it, Matt. Eugene's still trying to figure out that forensic audit, Bob. That's so, uh, right. But, but when was the last time Gene Melnick spilled the beans on something that the league was going to do? Actually, yeah, you know not, what? It's interesting. He, he, he did an article. Uh, Joe O'Connor wrote it for the Financial Post about two weeks ago. And he was very, uh, he was saying about February start, 6,000 people in the building. He was very upfront. Uh, he didn't do it uh, electronically, but he did do it. Uh, he did do it in print and online. Uh, and it got, it didn't get near the reaction that Foley's comments the next day got. Um, but you're right. I mean, what, if, and here as, as the only one of the four of us that has actually worked for Mr. Bettman, um, the, the, Gary doesn't like owners speaking out of turn because yeah. he believes there's one voice in hockey and that's, and, and rightly or wrongly, um, he views that as the single reason why the NHL has been successful is because he's the only voice that counts yeah. and, um, and, and, and owners in the old days, Hey, listen, we, I'm old enough to remember when Harold Ballard refused to put names on the back of sweaters. Uh, and then when he told he had to, he put blue on blue, uh, just because he, you know, that, that was what was going to happen. So, so from that perspective, I, I, it's, it's, it's running the business, having a single voice. Um, and again, it goes, it almost becomes so antiseptic, like yeah. we talked about in baseball. Uh, and that's happened with ownership in hockey because everybody who's an owner in the NHL, Gary makes sure that he thinks that he owes Gary loyalty. And that's and what this is all about. John, my understanding is when a new owner joins the NHL, they get a call from Gary Bettman. Welcome to the league. And by the way, there's no such thing as off the record. Don't you dare talk to the press. Like that is, you know, instruction number one. Um, but getting back to this all Canadian thing, Bob, I don't think it's going to be a thing going forward in part because of travel. Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary already bear a hefty travel burden with a regular schedule. So having them go to Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto as often as they would have to in a Canadian division, I think is uh, a bridge too far on the travel side. The other thing is let's not discount the fact that we can have some great cross-border rivalries like Rays in the Bay Area. I'm here in Vancouver. Several years ago, these teams were both really good, played for a Western Conference final in 2011, had a fantastic rivalry. Uh, Canucks went down from there. Sharks won a bunch of games. Now the Sharks are down. I suspect the Canucks will do better in the Shark Tank. But once upon a time, and I realize people in Toronto and, and people in the Eastern Time Zone are up at 10.30 watching those games. That was a pretty good rivalry. Dare, dare, um, I, dare I remind you, Matt and Ray, 
the Toronto Maple Leafs played playoff series in the Western Conference against right. both the Sharks and the That's Canucks. Right. Well, <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and they got and, – and, and the league in the mid-'90s changed that to get the, get the Maple Leafs uh, out of the Western Conference yeah. because, because of television. Uh, you know, yeah. there were too many Toronto Maple Leaf games starting at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 10.30 yeah. Eastern time, and it just didn't work. Yeah. yeah, but they didn't find the same urgency to take care of the Red Wings the same way for a lot more years. No, clearly they didn't. Well, but they did eventually, right? Well, eventually. Well, eventually, but, yeah. Because they kept throwing teams in the West. Exactly. Probably didn't belong. But that that's beside the point. Well, they, they, did, they, did move the, they did move the Cleveland Barons, just for the record. They did yeah. move the Cleveland Barons a couple of times just for you, Ray. Well, you know, they, I like the fact that other than, other than the Sacramento Kings, no franchise has moved more times and have been absorbed by more cities than the original Oakland Seals. There you go. There, here, here, here. And, and, and the white skates. Look, the answer, the answer to this question is pretty obvious. It, uh, uh, it, it may be the only opportunity a Canadian team ever has to win another Stanley Cup is if they, they, they beat the crap out of each other over the course of the, of the year and somebody's going to wind up getting into the semifinal at least of the Stanley Cup playoffs as a result of it. Otherwise, Canadian teams have been horse crap for what, two and a half decades. When's the, the last one? 93 Montreal? Is that it? Yeah. The one yeah. thing I will tell you is, is that the amount of superstars now playing back in Canada that's might it. be at an all time high. That's yeah. if you put a Canadian division together, every team, every team in the group has someone to watch and to matt's point earlier tv ratings in canada are always higher canadian versus canadian not just in the Who arena crap about tv i don't give a crap uh, about the TV well, last i checked last i checked we're you know hockey's still a business and i didn't give a crap about them when i worked for one of them i know well we're well aware of that bob and it showed <laughs> um gentlemen um hey hold on hold on no, before hold on hold on one more question oh. one more question oh, ray no, I just one more question. We got to do this. We got to do. This. What do you? What will Joe Thornton? What will what will Joe Thornton do in Toronto, Ray? What do you think? Um, he'll be he'll be slow. Um, he'll be a really good passer. Yes. He'll be a good guy in the room, and I don't think he changes what the Leafs are. Yeah. Um, unless, and you guys would know this better than I, unless the the locker room. Uh, the, the dressing room culture was so bad that they needed to bring in ultra veterans to smack the young kids around because Thornton as much of a placid outward demeanor as he has when he's just in with the other guys, you know, he likes a commode hugging, you know, thigh slapping good time as much as anybody else, but he'll chew on some ass. Yep. So if that's what they brought him in for, then he'll be of help. I think as a, as a player of skill, the game has to slow down too much to accommodate him now. And I don't know if that's what Toronto wants to do. I think uh, Ray hit it completely on the head with the veteran leadership. And I think that because here's the thing, fellas, they brought Joe Thornton in despite the fact they have Jason Spezza, who is a similar big, old, slow, fantastic passing center iceman and i suspect joe will set up some goals on the power play from the half wall because that's what joe thornton uh does but i do wonder 
are you dressing a nightly lineup with Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza in there? And did you feel a need? You did you feel you had to go out and get Jason, uh, Joe Thornton because Jason Spezza and some of the other leaders in your room weren't necessarily getting the message through to a certain few? Uh, the correct answer is this: net impact zero. Zero. Uh, gentlemen, it's always delightful to uh, see you and to uh, talk to you. We hope we have the opportunity to do it again. Uh, have a great Friday and a great uh, weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens Monday in America. Tuesday. 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 Tuesday, sorry, with the, uh, with the big decision. Ratto? We never, Thanks, said the word, we never said the words Justin Turner. Oh, yeah. Well, it'll, it'll, be an asterisk. It'll, it'll be an asterisk on the World we, Series. That's all over. It'll, well, here's the thing, and I'll and then I'll shut up for good. Oh, okay. It's the third time in four years that the winner of the World Series walks away in shame. Astros, Red Sox, intriguing. Dodgers. Wow. And Fair. now the Dodgers. Uh, we must off, guys. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, everybody, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you Monday on the podcast. Good night. Goodbye. Good luck. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, guys. Take care.